0: Here in BC, shellfish are a very important industry, but shellfish hatcheries are facing some significant challenges. They've got annual mortality events that are causing lots of problems, things like marine heat waves, infectious agents, ocean acidification, climate change, you name it. This is all putting a big strain on our shellfish hatcheries. And that threatens the overall aquaculture industry too, which is a pretty big one here on the West Coast, right? So we're going to talk this morning about Deep Bay marine fields station. They're conducting what they call a selective breeding program. How does this work? What are they doing? Well, Dr. Timothy Green is with us now the Canada Research Chair in Shellfish Health and Genetics. Dr. Green, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So how do we try to make shellfish more resilient? What can we do?
1: Well, the, the first thing we're really trying to do is understand whether or not they can adapt um, to all the climate change stresses that you earlier mentioned. Um, you know, oysters are under a lot of, you know, environmental stress. We've got, you know, a warming uh, environment. Um, not only is it the seawater slightly rising in temperature, you have these heat dome events um, that are, are really, you know, quite impactful. We have things like the atmospheric river. We have ocean acidification. And then we have new disease agents and things like that that have been brought into our region with international shipping. And so really trying to understand can oysters adapt to each one of these stresses alone, but also how will they adapt to multiple stresses all at once? So we do lots of experiments where we, you know, challenge oysters uh, to see whether or not they can or cannot survive all of these, Mm. you know. And
0: what are we learning?
1: So we're learning that actually oysters are amazing animals. They're really, really good at adapting. So um, we now have, you know, lines of oysters, you know, sort of like a, you know, um a phylogenetic tree that you know you have for your your family going back we have something very similar for for our oysters and so we have particular families that do particularly well uh to most of these kinds of stresses
0: okay so, so then- i actually feel yeah
1: feel the you know in some ways that uh you know the pacific oyster will be able to adapt
0: that's good news though right
1: it is great news, yeah, certainly for our industry and and for the environment. So that's one of the things that often leaves me quite quite scared is, you know, not not every animal has a, a selective breeding program trying to to breed, breed resilience into that, that population.
0: That's very true. But how do you do this? How do you spread that then? You can find out that they can adapt, but how do you make sure that now spreads?
1: So I guess there's, um, well, wanting to go back one step to try to, Explain how we we first go through. So we we create all these different families. They have a single male and, and female in the in the lab, but we also know how they're related. And I mentioned that in the phylogenetic tree. And it's a bit like um, I always sort of say, if you you've got a dairy herd and your you know your output is is the amount of milk from a cow, how do you choose the bull? And you can't go up and measure how much milk a bull creates, but you can work out its genetic merit by looking at its its sisters and its mother and its you know, aunts and, and so on and get an idea, does that bull produce a lot of milk? And we do very much the same. We come out, we choose which are going to be the, the ideal families that are going to s- survive most of these stresses, but also have the growth rate that industry wants. And then we provide those animals to local hatcheries here in BC who mass produce them for the shellfish farms. So they'll spawn them in a tank, uh, raise the little larvae that float around in the water column for about two to three weeks, and then they settle on a rock or, or an oyster shell, and then that's what's then distributed out to the to the farms that you see along the BC BC coastline.
0: That's a lot of work.
1: It is a lot of work. Yeah, it it takes many many years. So.
0: Okay, so then what about the next step? So if you can do this with oysters, what else do you look at?
1: So. Oysters is, is, you know, the biggest of our industries here on, on the coast, but we know from, you know, a lot of our First Nation uh, partners that we we team up with, as well as a lot of really remote communities that oysters, um, you know, they're not as high value as maybe scallops. And so when you're trucking large amounts of live product, that becomes very costly compared to maybe scallops. And now we're starting to roll out the breeding program. Can we actually breed scallops that are going to be resistant to all of these these same stresses because they're under the same same issues and so on and so on that would be huge though i mean
0: if you could if you could dr green do that for scallops like like that would be for the industry that would be huge
1: it wouldn't because we've gone from you know an industry uh that was worth about three million dollars a year on the coastline to almost nothing so um we're really hoping that you know we can open up large new areas of water for people to farm you know a lot of these remoter communities um You know, give them the opportunity to have this, you know, low impact form of aquaculture uh, to, you know, create jobs and economic uh, opportunities in these more remote communities.
0: Right. Well, it sounds good to me. Dr. Green, thanks so much for telling us about it this morning.
1: Yep. Thank you for having me.
0: That's Dr. Timothy Green, Canada Research Chair in Shellfish Health and Genetics. They are hard at work trying to build resiliency into our oysters and next to our scallops to help that industry thrive in the years ahead.